Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. So what I want to talk about is identity. You know, there's so much confusion in the world today when it comes to identity. There is, you know, it's natural for everybody to be like, you know, who am I? Why am I here? Why, you know, am I important? And people want to identify with something. And there's a natural part of that that's, that's good. You, you want to, and when I get into it, you'll see why. But the world goes about it all wrong. I mean, um, it, it is really cool that you can send in your DNA and find out, like, what country you came from. And, you know, those things are, you know, those things are neat. I laugh at my dad because my dad's sister did it and found out that everything my dad had told us was completely wrong about where we were from. (laughs) He had said we're German-Irish, and he based it based on his grandparents' last names. We had names like O'Nallahan and Baker and and Schrader, and they're, they're German names and they're Irish names, and so... His sister went and got the test done, and it came back 90% British. And, like, this much Irish. I don't know how you have a name of O'Nallahan, and there's only that much Irish. So he was kind of embarrassed and kind of shocked. But, you know, that stuff's kind of neat. But there's people out there who, if you get online and look, there's people who are like, Ancestry.com changed my life. And, you know, some of those people might be people getting paid to boost that company, but there are some legit people that, like, they really, like, they felt like they had this hole in their entire life because they didn't know where they came from, and, you know, that's, that's going a little too far. So, there's only one truth that we need to stand on, and that's that we identify with him. We identify with Jesus Christ. We stand on that truth and we uncover everything that we have with him, in him. That is life-changing. Amen. So you're in Ephesians 2.10. So tonight we're going to look at problems that you will potentially have if you don't know who you identify with and what you have Oh, that's my mom calling me. Wow. <laughs> I didn't think that could happen on here. I'm going to leave my phone in the car so that won't happen. That's funny. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she would be mortified if I'd answered it. Oh, my goodness. She'd be so embarrassed. So we're going to look at problems, some problems if you don't know who you are, and what happens if we don't know, and then what you have when you do know who you identify with. So, you know, a few of the basic things that if you don't know who you are, you're going to look in the wrong place, and you're going to find the wrong answer, and you're going to get taken advantage of. The devil's going to have your lunch. The second thing is you'll assume you know where you come from and what your importance is in this world and who you identify with. You'll assume you know and be wrong, and you'll get taken advantage of that way. 
And three, you just don't care, and you'll be useless to God and, again, be taken advantage of by the devil. So all of them are bad. (laughs) All three, really bad. We need to know, you know, who to identify with. We need to know we identify with Jesus Christ, and that's it. It doesn't matter where we came from. It's, you know, the Santa Fe High School made me really proud last week. Because, you know, if you get on Facebook and you want to put in a gender, they have like 51 different you can choose from. It's insanity. Well, Jack told me they had an assembly last Wednesday. And someone got up and just gave this real... I don't know, it was, it was a speech about inclusion and different things. And, and he's like, you know, no matter, you know, what kind of a person you are or what gender. He said all the kids in the audience yelled out, there's only two. <laughs> I was like, that is awesome. I'm so proud of our school. <laughs> I think even the teenagers know that it's ridiculous. So we're in Ephesians 2.10. So for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship. And I remember as a kid, you know, I wanted to know what was my purpose in life. And I struggled with all of that. Like, why am I here? What, you know, and because I didn't know. That, you know, I didn't know this, that I was his workmanship. No person who creates, designs, or builds anything does it for zero purpose. Nobody. They, everybody builds something it has a purpose. Even if it's something to be lived in, looked at, enjoyed, something, it has a purpose. God knew what he was doing. If I had known this as a teenager, it would have been life-changing. Because when you don't know, you know, who you are and what your purpose is, life gets very, very confusing. So the only one that we need to identify with is Jesus. And remember, we're we're identifying with miracle maker, atmosphere changer, mountain mover, the healer the one who's stronger than we are, you know, sometimes it pays to just spend some time meditating on who is it, who is it that I'm identifying with? Remember, because when you, when you face obstacles yourself and you're immediately thinking, how am I going to handle this? You know, it can get discouraging, but when you start remembering, no, you know, I'm in him then it can be exactly what you need to put you over. So you know, going back to when I was a kid and I was, I remember being very discouraged. I didn't know the word of God. We weren't in church and I didn't know, I was just living in confusion. And, you know, God's so good, you know, my sister was praying for me and I know my mom was praying for me. But when I got back into fellowship with the Lord and I immediately had gotten hold of a Brother Hagen book and started reading the Ephesians prayers for myself. That's why we started in Ephesians tonight. 
And I didn't even quite understand everything that was in it in the, you know, in, in the Bible, let alone Ephesians, some of the words. I didn't understand exactly how it applied to me, but I knew Brother Hangin had prayed that for himself, and he said it was such a tremendous blessing. So I'm like, well, he knows better than I do, so I'm going to do that. And the more I did it, you know, just the, an unveiling of the word and who Jesus was, it began to happen for me. And finding out that I had a purpose, I had a place, and it was huge. I mean, my whole countenance was different from learning this. So it's really important we keep ourselves stirred up on this and that we put it into our kids and remind them because they're surrounded every day by confusing garbage about who they are in schools. And, and like I said, I'm proud of Santa Fe last week, but they're still hearing a lot of crazy stuff. So we, we have to be the people first and foremost, reminding them who they really are. Amen. So, you know, Jesus knew who he was. And I got to thinking about this. He, he had to know who he was. I mean, everyone around him, and, and think about how he learned it. I mean, he came here in the flesh, but what did he do? He, his parents took him to church, whatever you called it back then, synagogue. He went to church. He learned about his father God. He got it on the inside of him. He knew who he was. Think about how... You know, we think we go through stuff now that he didn't go through. He, he was God, and he would get up and preach to people who were just, just looking at him to trip him up. You know, or people who said horrible things. And, you know, he, you, he had to know who he was. So, you know, I mean, I, I can't imagine. When I have a bad day, <laughs> I think about that. I think, you know who you are, you know you're the son of God, and you've got people just, they don't care what you have to say. You know, and we, we deal with that, but he dealt with it. I cannot imagine being in his shoes. And he continued to live on without sin. And he didn't go punch anybody's lights out for, you know, getting angry with them, like we feel like doing sometimes. You know, he, he pushed through it. If he can do it, we can do it. Amen. So what happens if we don't know who we are? Turn to Romans 1, 21. In Romans 1, 21. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. Futile in their thoughts. And their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise, they became fools 
and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to their uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Now I'm going to read the message version because I really like it too. It's, It's a little long, but it's good. What happened was this. People knew God perfectly well, but when they didn't treat him like God, refusing to worship him, they trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion so that there was neither sense nor direction left in their lives. They pretended to know it all, but were illiterate regarding life. They traded the glory of God who holds the whole world in his hands for cheap figurines you can buy at any roadside stand. So God said, in effect, if that's what you want, that's what you get. It wasn't long before they were living in a pig pen, smeared with filth, filthy inside and out, and all this because they traded the true God for a fake God and worshiped the God that they made instead of the God who made them. The God we bless, the God who blesses us. Oh yes, worse followed. Refusing to know God, they soon didn't know how to be human either. Women didn't know how to be women, and men didn't know how to be men. So when, when you don't know who you are, confusion sets in, lack of direction sets in. The Bible says they were futile in their minds. You become stupid. No, nobody want, I'm sorry to say it that way, but you don't want to go down that path. It's not like something that happens overnight either. Um, Pastor Greg talked Sunday about that one compromise of something you knew was in the word. He showed how it can just lead you down a, a, a path of years and years and years of not serving the Lord, not even thinking about him. I mean, it can lead you completely off, off into hell. I mean, it's, we don't want to compromise in any area. But when you don't know who you are, you get confused. And we become directionless, unclear in our minds. And, you know, we have have to be who we are. We have to be what God created us to be. You know, a Barbie can't be a car, and a car can't be a Barbie. You know, we all have our purpose and our function, and God's created us that way. And we have to renew our minds and find out who we are in him to know, you know, what it is that we're supposed to be doing. Turn to Psalms 100, verse 3. Know that the Lord, he is God, and it is he who made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pastor. When you decide Jesus is going to be my Lord, you are making a decision to say he is God. He made me, not me, myself. I'm not going to just come up with my own plan and figure out what I want to do with my life. I'm going to figure out his plan and do what he wants me to do with my life. Amen? It's important. You will never be satisfied if you do it outside of him and outside of his plan. 
I uh, read a quote somewhere. I don't, I don't know whose it was. I'm totally going to steal it. But um, people talk a lot about tolerance today. And I really liked this. I thought this kind of summed up the problem with it. They said the problem with tolerance is we tolerate who people are trying to be. We ignore the real person who Jesus made them to be if we do that. That's, that's a big deal. You know, if you're, you don't know Jesus and you don't know who you are and you're acting like something you aren't, come in here and learn the word. Get born again. But find out what God's word has for you and give yourself wholly to the Lord. You say, Jesus, you're my Lord, not just my salvation. You're my Lord. When people will really do that, you know, they're, they won't be uncomfortable with what they hear in this place. Because we're going to pull out who they really are. That's just what we do. You know, that's what God's going to do. We're going to love you, but we're going to pull out the real you. And if they don't like it, then they're going to have to leave because they're not really giving their lives to the Lord. You know? So it's really, really another aspect of identity is what are you saying? What are you saying about yourself? Turn to Mark eleven twenty three. I think that one makes it super, super clear how important it is what you say. And we all know this verse. You know, if you want you want and desire to be something really epic, you find out who you are and you find out who and what you are in Christ and you make that your confession. It's not just enough to know it. It's not enough. You have to say something. And, you know, what you say about you matters. What you say about your kids matters. I told the teenagers, I talked to them about this a few weeks ago, and I said, you know, what your friends say about you, not so much. Don't even let it bother you. What, what your teachers might say about you. I said, don't even worry about it. It's what you say about you that matters. So Mark eleven twenty three. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. That's three times he's, he talks about you saying something. It's super, super important. And I'm, me and Jordy are kind of like, I'd say we're almost like brother and sister. We're, we're, we're like the kind of people that we don't talk a whole lot unless like we really feel like we've got something important to say. And, and so I know for me, you know, I think a lot. I mean, that's why praying in the Holy Spirit is just vital because I've got to shut this brain down <laughs> and, and get, you know, when I do, I have such peace and I can get with God and I can hear, but my mind is just always thinking. And so I, I'll be thinking, you know, good confessions. And then I realize I've got to say them, you know, I've got to open my mouth. And, and a lot of times a good thing for me is to just turn it into a song. And if I can't even remember a tune or, or one of the songs from church, I'll just remember maybe even, I don't know, an, an old 60s song and I'll just replace all the words. And it's super easy. 
Just get your mouth going. Say something. Speak his word. Get it going. Don't just think this stuff. It's important that you say it. There's, there's just something that happens when you speak it. I wrote down a, a direct quote that was really good from Kenneth Hagin about this. He said, the majority of Christians, though sincere, are weak. This is because they never really dared confess what God's word says about them. They have never dared confess that they are what the Bible says they are, that they are who the Bible says they are, and that they have what the Bible says they have. And that's pretty, that's pretty heavy, but he's right. We don't want to be in that group, do we? I don't want to be, you know, he, he is 100% right. But, you know, I believe we're people who hear the word and we do it. And we're not going to be in that group. When we get to heaven, we're going to have some things to be really proud of. You know, we really are. We've got a lot to look forward to. But some of the things that we're grasping hold of in the word. And thank God, you know, we've gotten the teaching and preaching that we have to where we can, we can understand it. We can grasp it. You know, thank God. So we can take it and we can move forward and we can do stuff with it. Amen. So something that's huge with your identity is your authority. Your authority is tied to your identity. If you don't know who you are, you are not going to go around casting out demons. <laughs> They're going to laugh at you. You, there's, you're not going to be moving mountains if you don't know you're in him. If you try to do stuff on your own, it's not going to happen. You're going to be just like the rest of the world. So it's, it's super important that you find out who you are so that you can walk in the authority that you're supposed to. Did I tell you to turn to Ephesians 1.19? Okay. There's places of authority we all need to walk in. And we won't if you're not identifying with Christ. Ephesians 1.19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places? far above principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. We're, when you know who you are, you know we're seated with Christ, and you know that you're seated far above principality, power, might. These are just demonic things that come against us. That, that are here operating in the earth. We're far, far above it. And the importance of that is huge for your everyday life. I mean, there's times where you may not have authority in someone else's life or their family. You, you may not be able, you may be like, well, you know, you may have to just pray over their situation or something. But there's times where it's not a time to just pray in the spirit over a situation. And you need to take authority over a situation. And when you have the Holy Spirit, he'll alert you. No, this is an area you need to cast, you know, you need to cast something out. 
You know, you need to take authority of a situation. This is not happening in your home. This is not happening with, you know, a certain family member, whatever it is. Sometimes you just get in an atmosphere of, of people talking and it's just nasty and ugly. And you can take authority over that. And you can see how it changes. Jesus did it and, and we're in him. We can do that too. Your authority is huge. It's so big that God put not only in this age, but also in that which is to come, that, that we would be seated with Christ at his right hand, far above principality, powers, mights, and dominion. It's not just for the church age. It's also for our continuation into eternity. I don't believe he would have put that you know, if, it wasn't, if there wasn't something there to that, but also in that which is to come. You know, that's important. Turn to Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen. You know, God's so good. He I think sometimes we have a thought of not we like people in this room, but people who know Christ, but they're like, you know what, I'm gonna do my thing now. And thank God I'm gonna make heaven. But I'm having too much fun. I'm going to do my thing and live my life the way I want to live it. And, you know, I will get in the word and I'll learn things later. I'll learn it when I get in heaven and actually see Jesus face to face. But we're learning things now we're going to use later. I don't believe any of this will be, okay, church age is over. We don't need it anymore. We're... We're learning eternal things, and we're showing ourselves faithful now, and it's going to carry over into eternity. There's going to be places for us that we get to operate in that are exciting, things that are just amazing. So if, if, if I ever get something that I'm like, oh, that's just kind of over my head or you know, I don't really want to understand that or focus on it in the word. Like, like I try to remember this. Like, no, you know, I need to get this. I need to get it now because it matters. It matters now. And it's not just for me. It affects people around me. It affects my kids. It affects people that I meet. And I don't want to be in heaven and look back because that one thing that you, you probably, and I'm not standing on this, but one thing you probably will take with you is some regret of who you didn't speak to, who you had opportunity and you just held your tongue and you didn't say something. Now, I don't want to take that with me, that I didn't say something, that I didn't move when he said move. You know, I want to do everything and learn everything that I can while I'm here. Amen? So I said, Jesus, 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 28, 18. Matthew 28, 18. Did I read it? No? Okay. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So Jesus did that, and he meant for us to have that authority and to walk in it while we're here. Amen? So when you know, it, when you know your authority and you know what's backing you up, you'll do powerful things. You know, think of, of uh, if you try to walk out your authority on your own, you're probably going to fall. 
You know, think about uh, an example of a police officer. They can do what they do because they have that badge means something. They have the backup of the whole police department. They have weapons to back them up. I mean, they, they have authority behind them telling somebody to stop. You know, say they're flying through the kids' crosswalk, which we see at the school from time to time. They have, they have authority that backs them up. But, you know, Joe Schmo goes out there and does it in his jeans and T-shirt. People are not going to, they're just going to whiz on by. They don't care. They know that guy doesn't have any real authority to do anything. So it's important. We know the authority we have. We stand bold in it. We walk in it. And, you know, we use that authority daily. So, you know, our authority is a birthright of a believer. You get born again. It's just you have it. It's something that God is... He's blessed us in all spiritual blessings. It's one of the things that he's blessed us with. And the majority of the church world doesn't know it, but it's not going to be said of us. Amen? So if you want to find out, you know, what God's word says about you and you want to say it for yourself, you can start reading the epistles. And that's like Romans... I'd say Romans to Hebrews because the ones after it are mostly pastoral epistles, I believe. And they're awesome too. But if you're just getting started, I'd say between Romans and Hebrews are huge about finding out who you are. You know, as fun as as far as God's concerned, everything you know that that you have in Christ is so. And his word is a legal document, and it's sealed by the blood of Jesus. We have what he says we have. When he looks at us, he sees the blood of Jesus. It's a done deal. There's no question on the Father's end. So we need to take this very seriously, because when the devil tries to throw stuff at us, you know, there's times when you, you can't just come up here and have hands laid on you and poof, it's gone. There's times when you need to check up on what you're saying. Do you know who you are? You know, when sickness starts to, and I, I'm, you know, if you, you're feeling rough and you need hands laid on you, do it. Absolutely. But there's times when you can rise up and something's coming on you and just be like, no, Jesus' name. I don't have to put up with this. And you'll find that you can get more victories just by remembering who you are and who the devil's messing with. Sometimes it's just that simple. So God's blessed us. He knows what we need. He knows what the devil's going to throw at us. He knows what we need to be able you know, to be able to take care of it. And, and sometimes we want something, you know, real spectacular to take care of it. But sometimes it's just super simple in the word, just confessing who you are and what God made you to be. You know, one of the things I think a lot of teenagers deal with is insecurities. And if you'll study who you are in him, You'll have the tools to take care of any insecurities that you have. And, you know, most people that they don't know God, they operate 
their lives through insecurities. And it need not be that way. People let life experiences shape who they are. I mean, I don't know if you've ever met, like, someone really old and they're just, like, the meanest person you've ever met. Well, life has just molded them into that kind of a person, and they've let it. And maybe they never had the opportunity to know God. Maybe they did and they didn't want to. I don't know. There's Everybody's has a different situation. But we, it should never be said of us, no matter what our background, that life shaped us into who we are, ever. It should never be an excuse, ever. I know some people in this room, they've had... You never know what their upbringing was because God has just, they've let, and it wasn't just like this, they've let God change them. They've found out who they were. They've moved forward, forgot things that put things in the past, like the word said to do, and have moved forward and are such huge blessings. I wish people who come in, I I think people come into our church and they look at everyone who looks so put together and they think, I don't relate to these people in any way, shape, or form. And if they could see where we've all come from, you know, they would, they would really be like, wow, you know, that is so encouraging. I love it when we have testimonies because people get to see a glimpse of that. They get to find out, you know, oh, well, that can happen for me. And, you know, that, that light turns on for them. But we can't do testimonies 24-7. It wouldn't, it wouldn't work out. Then we wouldn't be focused on the Word. So <laughs> we'd be all focused on ourselves. But. So don't let life experiences you know, shape who you are. Let the Word of God shape who you are. And another aspect of identity that I felt, it may not seem like super important, But um, I felt like it was important because it was so huge to me. And Pastor was just talking about this a few weeks ago. Knowing that you're spirit, soul, and body. And for me, when I first learned that, like he said, it was huge. I mean, you said it was first brought up like in the 70s or 80s. Whenever Brother Hagin, I guess, was teaching on it. And it was just, it's, it's huge because no... No other denominations were talking about that there was ever any separation. And for me, even not just getting into the word and not really understanding that much, to know this, it explained a lot. Because I'm always trying to figure out how things work. And to me, it made sense that there, you know, that your body is different and your intellect and your mind is different from your spirit man. It, it just, it clicked with me. Well, it's good to know the differences, to know your spirit. You have a mind, soul, and you live in a body. Because, in, turn to Romans 12.1. It's, when you know that there's differences, and they all can be stronger at one point than the other. Sometimes your body is the strong one screaming at you, ruling, reigning over your spirit. And we got to make sure that's not happening. We want our spirit man to be the loudest one. And there's, there's nothing out here in this world 
that's going to make that happen with your spirit man. It's not going to be the loudest one. If your whole day is just full of contact with the world, it's going to get quieter and quieter and weaker and weaker. Your body's going to be the one getting stronger. Your body and your soul, your mind that feeds on everything that's in this world will get louder and louder. And when you know that your spirit man needs to be the strong one and you know you need to feed it, get in the word, renew your mind, you let it dominate and tell the rest of it what to do. That's the way that we're supposed to live. So Romans 12.1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, you, he didn't say God, he said by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I looked up the word beseech, and when he wrote this, he could have said, he could have just said, brethren, present your bodies a living sacrifice. He, he didn't. He put the word beseech. Beseech is urgently implore. So God is urgently imploring us to do something with our bodies and our minds because he won't. You know, it's, I think everybody, it's so easy to want to be lazy and even be lazy Christians. We have to do something with our minds and with our bodies. And God's given us everything we need to be able to do it. Amen? So what are some of the things that, that we need to be saying? And, and here's, here's what I do. I, here's just a few scriptures if you get Brother Hagen's In Him book in the back, huge list of all of them. I actually printed them out and gave them to all the youth because I knew they aren't going to walk in the bookstore and get it. You can find it online, too. <laughs> I don't know if you know how to find books online. I actually found it online. I have it saved on my computer. So I have In Him you know, galore on here. But it's good to buy it, too, because it does put money towards the, their ministry. So. Praise God. <laughs> I don't want to take away from that. But if you're in a pinch and you're like, I need in him scriptures, you can find an, you can find Brother Higgins stuff online. So if you go to Ephesians 1 7. Yeah. In him we have in him we have redemption through his blood. These are just some of the things we have. The forgiveness of sins. <laughs> huge things, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. And let me go down to 11, uh, Ephesians 1, 11. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined, predestined according to to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Those are just a few things that we have. We have his redemption. We have forgiveness of sins. And we've obtained an inheritance. These are all things you can take your time and just you could meditate for an hour alone just on the inheritance. 
or, you know, far longer. I mean, so make sure and write these scriptures down tonight because these are things you want to go back and just meditate. What does that mean? You know, I, I, I personally don't. I hate when I have something in my purse. I didn't know it was there and I could have used it. I hate that. Like something really useful. And I had it with me all along and it was at the bottom of my purse and I couldn't find it. I hate that. You know, don't live your life like that. Know what you have, meditate on it, think about it, and then it's easy to use. And the Holy Spirit can just remind you when you get in a situation, boom. No, I have this. I don't have to live like that. You know, I don't have to be angry about this. I don't, you know, I can walk in love. I can handle whatever, you know, it, the word will come up out of you when, you when you meditate on it. Now, one of the things I found so fascinating when I was reading this was... He says, in him. He says, in him we have redemption. He could have said, like him we have redemption. He could have said, like him we've also obtained an inheritance. But he didn't. That's, you know, God knew what he was doing when he wrote this. You know, nobody, it's, it separates all this and, and puts it on such a high place beyond anything we would say in the world. You know, I might have a shirt the same color like sheets, but I would never say, like, in sheets. I have a, you know what I mean? I have a shirt like that or something. You know, like, you would never put it that way. It would sound so weird. But there's, when you say in him, it, 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 it just instantly reminds you we're at a whole nother level with Jesus, a whole nother place. It's not just like him. We're not just replicators. This is a far bigger thing. Far, far, far bigger. So um, write down Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And so if I read that, I just say to myself, I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's the way that I remember to be able to confess it. So I remember to apply it to myself. So Ephesians 5, 8, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And I will just say, I am light in the Lord. And I think of that one often when I'm in my workplace, you know, or you just see yuckiness around you. I just, I am the light, you know, I am the light. I'm going to be that light in the Lord. First John four thirteen. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. Just confess, he abides in me. When you're having one of those days where you feel like Jesus is a thousand miles away and it's just your flesh that's making you feel that way, just no, he abides in me. You know, let your spirit man reign. Tell your body to be quiet because the real truth is he abides in me. He hasn't left. He's with me. I always have his answers when I need it. You know, he's always with me. So Colossians 2.9 is another one. And these are just a few examples. There's a lot more. For in him, not like him, in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Just simply say, I am complete in him. You know, that one's just super simple. You know, you're... 
if, if you're feeling like you don't have it all together, no, I am complete in him. Just remind yourself of that. And turn to Philippians 3, 7. I, I wanted to cross this scripture off. I don't know how many times and I just couldn't do it. Philippians 3, 7. But there's, the more I read it, the more it just, it just spoke something to me. To, like, you know, you cross off stuff that you think, well, this doesn't really apply. We don't want to go that direction. I mean like that. I mean, it's, it's all important. But So after I read it today, I realized, anyway, let's read it. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. And 310 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. And I think just the importance, this just screams to me the importance of learning that you're in him, that the things of this world, you know, count them as rubbish. And there's things you're in Christ and you're following the Lord. There's people you lose things you may lose, count them as rubbish. And what he was saying here is what he gained, you know, in Christ, it was far, far, far bigger. You know, in any time, there may be something that you just don't want to let go of, but you know the Lord's been kind of dealing with you about it. He, he doesn't just say, you know, he wants to take something that's not good for you, but he always replaces it with something wonderful, something amazing. There's, you know, there's never been a time that I didn't make that step. And 99% of the time, it is probably 100% of the time, it's just something your flesh doesn't need. You know, you get rid of it, hurts your flesh, but... You, I look back and I'm like, oh man, you know, what God replaced that with was not fleshy. <laughs> it was something spiritual and it was huge. And I'm so grateful. And, and if he's dealing with you about getting rid of something or stopping something, you can do it. You can absolutely do it. You have the power to do it. He's there to help you. But like I said earlier, in Romans 12, 1, He's beseeching us to present our bodies. We urgently imploring us to do something because God's not going to do that for us. He's not going to make us read the word. He's not going to make us deal with our flesh. It's something that we're always going to do as long as we have flesh. We're always going to have to do it. So, you know, reading, and I, I when I talk to the teenagers about this because I knew they're going to be like, this is just so boring and not exciting. And I knew you guys would not feel that way, right? So I told them that we, I had just found out like a few weeks ago that we have an intern at our school that was in the Olympics 
in Rio. And I mean, those were like, I think the last Summer Olympics we had, I think, were in Rio. She was, she's a volleyball, she's 6'2", volleyball player. She has a bronze medal. She brought it into the school. Well, she came in under the radar, didn't want anybody to know. And our PE coach thought she looked familiar and Googled her and found out and told on her. So she had to bring in the medal and show the kids and talk to the kids and stuff. But, and it was super cool. You know, it's, it's really neat. But I, I got to thinking about it, and I told the teenagers, I said, you know, she did not get to that place to go to the Olympics and actually win a medal just because she was 6'2". You know, nothing just, boom, supernaturally happened to her, and she was able to go to the Olympics. What if I said, if you go talk to her and find out how she got to that place, if you're some you know, kid who loves volleyball and you want to do that someday and you go ask her, she's going to tell you it's the little thing she did every single day that got her to that place. Little thing. Things that probably people, it, it didn't look like that big a deal and people, I guarantee, didn't even believe in her, you know, before she had it, that she could do it. Or when, maybe when she was just learning certain skills and going out and practicing. But she pract- I guarantee she practiced every day. And she accomplished something big. Reading your in him scriptures, you know, first off in your brain might be like, you know, you might want to go to work and forget you even heard any of this tomorrow. Don't let that happen. You know, I know you guys won't. Study these scriptures, bring up, even just bring up a couple each day, and it's going to accomplish bigger and bigger things. Amen? We, we will get built up, and we'll find ourselves walking in the authority we have more and more and more. Amen? It's really important. So God's good. He knows what we need, and he, he honestly makes it so easy for us. It's just... We just have to get up and do it. But we have the ability. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.